Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. I want to thank my sponsors, Topps, Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins & Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So here's uh, an episode for your listening enjoyment. Soccer. There's problematic rookie card RC designations when you've got these different leagues. I like your analogy of the different power conferences in the NCAA football, Division One. On the other hand, those aren't minor league or less than NFL. They're not usually considered rookie cards. And then you got the stickers, are the stickers, rookie stickers, rookie cards, whatever. Obviously, earlier the better, but that special designation is problematic with soccer. Is there a way to resolve that or, or is the confusion okay? Does it add a dynamic element that allows people to have a spirit of debates? Absolutely. There is lots of debate. I, maybe the confusion is part of the fun now because there's a lot of confusion. And unlike a baseball card that has the RC logo on it, in American sports, you have the draft, right? Soccer doesn't have a draft other than MLS in this country. So players come and go, they're called up. There really is no rhyme or reason. It was a big stock of rookies, if you want to call them that, during the pandemic because of COVID and rosters got larger and teams had to go dig into their youth systems to get more players. I think a lot of collectors coming into the hobby then got really spoiled by, oh, there's all these rookies in soccer. Now they realize, oh, there aren't that many rookies in soccer. There's not a new Messi every year. It just doesn't happen. In soccer, the rookie card, if the hobby can decide what that is, often it is the sticker. Like in the Diego Maradona case, the 1979 Panini sticker is his rookie because there is no card. There are no cards of him until the 90s, Upper Deck made a card, and then until more recently. I think what a lot of people are chasing in soccer now are on-card autos. They really want that because they're hard to get. Most of them are sticker autos. Leaf has put out many cards, all the stickers. But now you're seeing Tops putting out Champions League sets with the idea of can we get on card? And that's, I think, the grail in soccer isn't so much the rookie card of this player, though it can be. But if you're looking for a messy rookie, you have to go back to a Panini set that was released in Spain almost 20 years ago. But if you can get an on card auto of him in Argentina jersey and it's a one on one, it doesn't matter if it's from last year, that card is going to be worth something. So people are chasing that. The problem is in soccer, you're chasing a lot of lotto tickets. You're not really chasing the stuff that's attainable. A lot of soccer, I think, is high-end. They're chasing an artifact. They're not chasing this year's thing. They're chasing something from decades ago. It was held in low esteem back in my day. It was beneath them to mess with stickers. Frankly, it was almost all non-baseball cards, any sport besides baseball. And especially if they were international, just they weren't in vogue. I'm assuming if there was a 16-year-old young prodigy in soccer, the ideal situation would be that they would be American, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Soccer is guided by what's happening in Europe and South America, but the soccer hobby is guided by this market, the United States. I always tell people, look, you want to get rookie cards, buy those MLS sets, those young American players, put them aside because that young American in three years could sign with Chelsea and become the next Christian Pulse. And then now you have his rookie because the tops are putting out MLS sets for a decade. now. You're looking for young up and coming Americans to do that. And this U.S. team that's going to the World Cup is loaded with young Americans. Their rookie cards go back two, three, four years. You're going to find a rookie card either in a Panini national team jersey, or you're going to find an MLS card of them. We want to speculate on soccer, speculate on young Americans who end up going to Europe. But is there the same bias that you have in baseball of pitchers that strike out a lot of people and hitters that hit a lot of home runs? Is it mainly goal scores that you need to be going for? Unfortunately, in soccer, there are very few stats, and the ones that count the most are goals and assists, and the Attacking players are doing that. And cards of goalies and defenders are just not as interesting, unless they're 
one-on-one autos or something like that. They don't car- carry the value of the cachet they would of an attacking player. Absolutely. So it definitely, I, I think you see that a little bit in hockey too. In hockey, you have Kale McCarr. Right. He's an offensive defenseman. I think he won the Calder Rookie of the Year thing. Uh, the same kind of trophy situations in uh, soccer with all-stars or Rookie of the Year or most valuable players and uh, first-team All-Pro. Or, right. No, not, that? Not, is not that recognized all. or is it all just opinion? It's just all opinion. And that's the beauty of soccer, but it doesn't translate to the hobby. And so every year, France football puts out the Ballon d'Or, which is the best player in the world. One person wins it. Everyone else finishes second, third, fourth, whatever. It's one award. Messi and Ronaldo dominate this award for the last two decades. It's very subjective. And there isn't just a lot of statistics to quantify who's better and who's not. Isn't it a lot based on style and substance? (laughs) Yeah. You have to have some flair, don't you? You can't just be bagging goals, but how pretty are they? You can't quantify that. Yeah, soccer is one of those sports where maybe more than any other one, there is points for style that or it's unwritten somewhere. It's like watching figure skating. Who's the best figure skater? I don't know. There's judges there to decide that. So it, it complicates the matter for a new collector. I think maybe too much work for a new collector too. That's the other. No, I'm not saying it's un-American, but it's a situation where how baseball was able to catch the wave and be the prime mover for card collecting for all these years until recently is because it was so statistics laden. You could still have discussion about it, but yet so many stats to deal with at least on the offensive side of the ball of the game. But soccer, if it doesn't lend itself to that, I think that's missing. And it may be part of the reason why soccer has been slow to catch on of the traditional American card collector. Because you can't go to a ready reference to see who the biggest stars are because they're making headlines. But the next rank and the up-and-comers, they just don't know. Yeah, the only thing mitigating that, I think, are a lot of young people playing the game and a lot of people that are older watching it and just becoming more educated on the nuance. And the more people see it, the more they might understand that. They might not like it. That's a different story. But in terms of educating the public, there's just so much soccer on TV now that you didn't have that 30 years ago. The game changer is the internet. Social media, maybe soccer benefited from that. The higher visibility globally definitely helps. Okay. So you were a hockey collector. And so you probably had those same sets I had. And a lot of them in hockey, they'd have trophy cards. They'd have it for each of the, the Vezina and the Calder and the Hart and all that stuff. But uh, there's one trophy that is not less respected within the game, but less respected by collectors or two of them really. But one is Selkie. I can think of them. I and the other them. is uh, Masterton. They're not about scoring more goals. I'm wondering if soccer has a similar thing. Is there a most gentlemanly <laughs> in right. soccer that would be esteemed by collectors? Or is it just all about scoring goals, well, winning World Cups? I wish it was that, but it is really about scoring goals. Yes, and winning World Cups. Though I will say, even that has become less of a bar because every four years, the UEFA Champions League now is becoming the bar by which Every player in the world who plays in Europe wants to measure themselves. So Messi has five or six Champions League titles. He has zero World Cups. So does that mean Messi isn't as good as Maradona? That's the big argument. Or is he not top five all time because he hasn't won the World Cup? I think he needs to win the World Cup to be in the discussion. But his numbers don't lie. They're very good. He is probably one of the best players of his generation. We're very spoiled because we live at a time where there's two players like that, Ronaldo and Messi. So the debate becomes who's the better of the two. But the better question is Messi in this upper echelon. And do you have to win the World Cup to do that? Now, it's difficult. World Cup is hard to win. And it's played every four years. So you don't really get a lot of shots at that. Some players never play at the World Cup, right? So again, very few stats there to measure players by.
I, I had a nephew that was an outstanding soccer player and played at a very high level and got paid to play, could not quite make the big leagues. But my criticism of him, because he was MVP of a lot of the teams he was on, he was too unselfish. Is there such a thing? Is that, again, a recipe for being a great player, but not being recognized? Like in the hobby, if somebody was just a great teammate and very unselfish, is that a problem? He just would dominate, but he'd give it off to somebody else to score the goal, like the hockey assist. He'd pass it to the guy that passed it to the guy. Yeah, if you're an attacking player, you have to find a happy medium. I think a player like Messi or Maradona did that. They were creating the plays, passing the ball, being very unselfish. But then if the moment came and they can score themselves, they would do it. So it's a balancing act. I think Ronaldo's sort of the opposite. He's very selfish. He wants the glory. He wants the goals. He's not going to pass the ball. He's not going to track back. He's not going to do any of the things that make him a great teammate. And so if someone said to you, do you want to be teammates with Lionel Messi or with Cristiano Ronaldo? Most people would say, I want to play with Messi, right? Because he's a giver as opposed to Ronaldo. It's all about him. It's also a personality trait. We've all worked with people like this, right? It's like having a coworker who's more of a team player as opposed to someone who takes all the glory and those people under the bus when things go bad. We don't want to work with those people. We want to work with the people that are more supportive. A player like Messi, if you're going to be a playmaker at soccer, the number 10 is the number one jersey for the attacking player. And if Pele is the same way, Pele could put goals in, but he could also create things. He could make magic happen. And he was as happy when his teammates scored than when he scored. You can't quantify that, really. But it passes the eye test. Oh, yes, this is a great player because look at what he can create, but also he can score goals. The theory I have, and I, you can shoot it down because it's out there, but soccer cards took off as soon as Ted Lasso came out. What do you think about that theory? It's possible, though I have some problems with Ted Lasso. When I don't consider Ted Lasso a soccer show. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's soccer in it. A lot of people, I mean, life. Yeah, yeah. yeah, a lot of people I know watch it and they're watching it for the drama and for the interpersonal stuff, but they're not watching it for the soccer. I'm watching it for the soccer and I'm a little disappointed, to be honest, in that regard. It could be, I think Ted Lasso is a global phenomenon. It's fun. I had never heard that. It's interesting. I just made it up. <laughs> <laughs> but it could be, I don't know if something is hot at the moment, do people get interested in sort of adjacent things to it? Kind of like when, uh, you watch something on TV and the algorithm feeds you other stuff. Could it be that Ted Lasso's front of mind now? Soccer. I Come on, it's an American football coach. Ted Lasso goes to England knowing nothing about soccer and he becomes the coach of a team that's bottom tier, being relegated. Which Unbelievable story. Educating all these things to Americans who relate to the football coach guy, but right. not the game of soccer or any of those other things. If there was relegation in the NFL, there'd be some franchises that need to look out. Right. Because the Crimson Tide are coming for them. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I think what happens too with Ted Lasso, just interesting, I think a lot of American coaches who want to coach at saying the Premier League have found themselves being called Ted Lasso by the press. It's not a good title to have, obviously. Probably not. Jesse Marsh, who coaches uh, Leeds United now and used to coach the Red Bulls here and coached in Germany and Austria. One bad week and he's Ted Lasso now. The British <laughs> press can still be a little elitist in terms of Americans. They're still stuck in 30 years ago where they think Americans don't understand soccer. When the truth is, I think Americans do. And we get so much viewing choices here that I think other parts of the world don't have. So in, in a lot of ways, the American soccer fan may be more educated than anywhere in the world if they want to be. Okay, tell us about your book. It's on pre-order now. It's out October 12th. It's called The FIFA World Cup, A History of the Planet's Biggest Sporting Event. It's part of educating the American public a little bit. The World Cup is the biggest sporting event in the world, bigger than the Olympics in terms of eyeballs. But it does come around every four years. If you're only watching the World Cup, 
it almost seems like a carnival comes to town and they leave and they come back four years later. But there's lots of soccer being played in between. I think my book tries to create some of that context. Hey, these players don't just play at the World Cup. They're playing all the time. And this is why they're so great. A lot of Americans are new at the game. They watched for the first time in 2018 or 2014. The World Cup started in 1930. There's a lot of history there that is unknown to Americans. The point of my book is to say, hey, look, it's a reference book. You want to read this book before the World Cup? You'll get a bigger, fuller view of, of the prestige of this tournament, why it matters so much. Why do people around the world skip work to watch it? Why are people pulling their hair out and crying when teams are winning or losing? It, it, it's almost like a religion in parts of the world. But just to give people the cultural, historical context and some of the amazing players that predated Messi and Ronaldo, there's plenty of those. A lot of books, unfortunately, are written by British authors for a British audience, not for an American audience of all ages who may want to just dip into soccer for the first time and say, hey, you know what? I, I don't know much about this sport because we don't have the generational memory. I didn't watch it with my dad or my granddad. Like you watch baseball or football. This book has to help fill that void a little bit. Yeah, there's a passionate group of fans for every sport. There's probably some naysayers for every sport, but most people fall in the middle. And I'm struck that's true of religion and sometimes politics too, as you've got these passionate people that really believe in their viewpoint and have blinders on anything else, people that are anti, but a bunch of people are in the middle and they just go with the flow. And so if you can get more people to be your early adopter, passionate people, and then bring people along and be welcoming, I think I were going to bet on soccer versus F1. They're both hugely globally popular sports, but I don't see little kids practicing for F1 on their Saturday morning sports leagues with their little race cars. I see boys and girls all over the place playing soccer and learning teamwork. First thing is the Wayne Gretzky adage, don't go to where the ball is, go to where it's going to be. When I've done a little coaching for little kids soccer, it's don't have the beehive that's following the ball all the way around, spread out a little bit. They have to play a little to get that. They, they just want to go where the action is. But it's a great game. I, I probably came on it too old because I never played any soccer in high school. And then in college, they had intramurals and they needed some guys. I thought, I can run up and down the field. You just can't pick up the ball. That's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> goalie. It's never a goalie at SMU's newspaper, right. their campus paper. I was the intramural sports editor. I don't think I used that, but uh, writing about sports is cool. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. I'm a big fan of your past work, obviously. I listen to podcasts all the time. Yeah. 